you said you'd come. Lawrence, hope you're not too late. We know each other. He's a friend from work. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to episode number 61 of the Wulong Talks podcast. My name is Jason. I'm the host of the show, as you know by now. And I'm flying solo. There's no Russ and Kid. <laughs> Unfortunately, Rich Kid can't be with us tonight. So um, it's just me, uh, which is something that kind of scares me a little bit. I can't lie. Even though I've done this before by myself, I don't know why I feel so scared doing it on my own. But I'm not on my own because I know you're out there listening with me. Um, and while you're listening with me, I'll, I'll take confidence and, and draw strength from that. Anyway, um, hope you all are good. Uh, as said, this episode will be just me. So if you're somebody who follows Wulong Talks and doesn't like the sound of my voice, well, you're probably going to be in trouble because, uh, yeah, it's just me. <laughs> But um, yeah, I hope you all have been good. Hope you all have been well. Um, I know we've had a few gaps since the the last main Willow Talks podcast. That's largely because there's been a lot going on um, in terms of you know just different things happening for for us outside of the the podcast world. But rest assured, we're still here. We're still ready to to do our thing with you guys, and we still love talking to you. So uh, we're not going anywhere. Um, we'll be around for as long as you'll have us. Um, hope I said that everybody who's listening to this is doing well. I've been all good, really. Um, I've been doing lots of little things really since we we last kind of spoke. I mean, um, one of the things that I have been doing is, you know, if you've been listening to the podcast, is I've been cracking out a lot of um, Yakuza Six, the Song of Life, uh, the video game which is on PlayStation Four. Um, and I'm starting to enjoy it more now. I mean, I know in the last podcast I complained a bit because there was just too many cutscenes, um, but actually the story's become a lot more intriguing. I won't, I won't give away any details for anybody who's still playing the game and um, doesn't want that kind of information to be given away. But it's pretty cool so far, man. Like you know, I am liking it. There, there's there's not quite. I, I don't know why, but it doesn't feel like there's quite as many side missions in this game as, as some previous Yakuza titles. Um, I might be wrong there. I mean, again, I'm I'm sort of on about chapter five, I think it is, is, is where I left it recently. Um, and to be fair, I've kind of ignored like a lot of stuff. Like those of you who are listening, who played the game and know about the, the Troubler app on the, the phone. I mean, if you like that, you, you may like it, but it's just annoying the hell out of me, quite frankly. So um, I've been ignoring all of those side missions because I just can't be bothered. And, and partly because... Um, you just get so distracted because they come along at such odd points in the main story that I, I feel like I'm almost compelled to follow the, the main story of the game rather than go off and do a side mission, um, which I think maybe is, is perhaps one of the slight criticisms I, I have of this game. Because in other games like you know GTA V and things like that, um, it feels like the game is slightly better paced 
and because it's bigger you can kind of take more time to do side missions away from the main storyline whereas yakuza is, is big but not quite as big as those uh, and as a result of that it means that it's still quite linear in terms of um the game forcing you to follow the, the story from a, a certain point um but yeah you know i am still enjoying it though um, it's getting the blood racing um you know that which is exactly what you wanted to do um kiryu is still my guy you know he's always been my guy he will always be my guy um but i definitely uh, i'm enjoying this game a lot more than i thought i would and um speaking of gaming i, I recently got to go down to namco funscape as well in um the south bank in london um for those of you that that know it um you know i mean i'm, I'm sure you're familiar with what namco funscape is about but for those who are listening who aren't familiar with it um it's basically i guess the best way to describe it is it's like a digital fairground in a sense that it's um it's indoors and um every kind of attraction there is is some form of digital attraction apart from the escape rooms i guess but um you know everything there is is digital so it's um like a digital roller coaster in there there's like a digital um kind of laser room type thing i, I don't really know how to describe it there's bumper cars um and there's a whole heap of arcade machines and and that's really kind of what got my attention um because i i love the like a, a, an old school arcade machine an old school arcade cabinet and there's plenty of those at namco funscape um they have some really really good games and i was surprised by some of the titles as well um they had things like they had um an injustice uh arcade machine and that was weird because you know injustice obviously i i know from you know consoles from you know playstation 3 and, and playstation 4 um and you know i i, I don't really know injustice from anything else outside of that i mean i know it, it does appear on sort of mobile gaming platforms as well but to see it in an arcade was was kind of weird um but the gameplay looked cool although i will say the machine doesn't have a joystick you it just has like a number of large buttons one which you press for a special move that you kind of have to charge one that you press for blocks and parries one that you press for light attacks um and yeah it, <laughs> that kind of took like took my breath away a little bit because i you know i'm a, um, a street fighter 2 fan and by the way for those of you who are listening to this um on this day on this day that we are recording is i believe the 20th anniversary of the launch of street fighter 2 um particularly on arcade cabinets um and yeah that's a game that's kind of shaped my my whole childhood so one of the things that stood out about street fighter 2 was the way you use the control stick in order to perform like certain moves and things like that so with the injustice arcade game you could if you can picture it in your mind's eye it's um it's that but without any joystick at all so the game kind of moves the character backwards and forwards for you which is kind of yeah it, it's a bit weird and it takes some getting used to um but what else did they have they had a tomb raider game which i, I had some fun playing although i felt kind of ripped off because i think uh, <laughs> i think i lost it on the game for all of about three minutes and then died um so yeah i felt kind of scammed by that one um what else did we play we played halo as well there was a halo arcade game um which is up to four players um and was really fun actually that that was really good um that i could see myself spending a lot of money on 
um it seemed to be based kind of around sort of halo three and four roughly i mean maybe kind of about the those games that's what it felt like to me anyway that was the kind of vibe i got from it um but it has uh warthogs in there as well and all the kind of the classic things you would expect from a halo um adaptation but ported to an, an arcade unit and um they've done a really good job with that as well it was really really impressive um there was a walking dead game which i absolutely loved as well that was so much fun um again it was quite tricky it was quite hard but the arcade cabinet actually had like a, a crossbow um like daryl's crossbow so instead of a, a a light gun you actually get a light crossbow to use um and to reload it you had like kind of a um I don't know how you describe it, but I guess like because I don't know my weaponry, sorry, but it's like a bar that you kind of pull back on the um uh on the light gun in order to reload it, and that was quite novel, and I thought was was quite good. Um, I said the game itself was a lot of fun as well, although very very tricky. So I would recommend if you're going to play it, play it with somebody um you know who who knows what they did because. I played it with someone else. Unfortunately, you know, the, the person I was playing with was a lot better shot than me because otherwise I would have died very quickly. Um, but yeah, The Walking Dead was was pretty cool. Um, what else was there that I enjoyed at, at Namco? Oh, yeah, there was the um, Alien uh, adaptation as well. There was like an Alien uh, adaptation. Um, I think it's called Alien Invasion or something like that. Um, it was really good, really, really good. That was as well. Although again, really hard. Like, I don't know if it's, it's um, just getting old and like I can't cope with these games anymore. But I, I was just useless. <laughs> this game really useless. And again, it was fun, but just yeah, I was terrible at it. So I, I don't know. Maybe age is catching up with me. But um, yeah, if you're based in in London or the UK and you happen to be visiting London um, and you're a fan of gaming, then I would definitely recommend. You go to Namco Funscape. It, um, it seems like a lot of fun to me. So, yeah, check that out when you get the opportunity to. Um, and, yeah, that's been about it, really, in terms of kind of things that I've done um, in the most recent sort of uh, time since we last spoke. Um, but going back a bit, I mean, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about today was um, getting to see the movie Glass. Now, um, again, for those of you familiar with the podcast, you know, I like to do kind of like movie reviews and, and things like that. Um, unfortunately, I just haven't had the time to do those recently, but I will be getting back on um, with separate kind of podcasts um, about some of the movies that I've seen recently. But Glass was a great movie that I got to check out recently. I really enjoyed it. Um, I know that critically it's not been as well received as as um certainly not as well received as split was the previous movie um or unbreakable uh but i quite enjoyed it i thought it was quite a fitting end to to that franchise so for those of you that that don't know glass is the third movie in um a trilogy of films that's directed by uh, m night Shyamalan. now um for those of you that don't know Shyamalan. Uh, God, I'm butchering his name, Shyamalan. (laughs) Um, Those of you that don't know M. Night Shyamalan, he is the guy who did things like The Sixth Sense and Signs and The Village and uh, Lady in the Water, you know, those kind of things. He's also responsible for one of the worst atrocities in in film history. Um, I don't even want to say his name because the the film just hurts me so much. (laughs) But, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's... freaking bad but yeah anyway um so he's the, the the writer and the director of glass um 
which is basically the, the as I said the third story in in this trilogy of stories um featuring unbreakable and split um and with glass the idea was to kind of bring together the characters from those three movies um into or those two movies into one movie um and kind of tie the, their stories together and to show how they were kind of connected so almost like a kind of marvel cinematic universe type of thing but on a on a smaller scale um and as I said, I really enjoyed it myself. Um, I, I know that critics didn't necessarily like the movie, but um, I liked kind of the, the things that Shyamalan went with, with within the story. And most of it kind of pays off. Some of it doesn't quite pay off, um, but most of it works out kind of well. I mean, the, the, the movie wisely is, doesn't try to go down you know the superhero smackdown route of a lot of other comic book movies and, and movies based on comic books because um number one i guess because he doesn't have the budget for that but also um number two it's it takes a more interesting route it tries to go down psychology the, the route of psychology and and understanding um kind of how the human mind functions and the different ways in which people's minds function and how the way their minds function can then affect you know the the physical um the the, the physical things that happen around them and and you know how psychological um i don't want to say problems maybe you know like um psychological kind of characteristics can define how you become as a person and and you know this is can be based on um historical events and, and things that have happened to you in the past or it can be um you know based on um experiences that that have shaped you and and, and so on and so on and again this is not a psychology podcast so i don't want to keep boring you with with all of the theory around that but um effectively you know that's how things are kind of put together and, and portrayed in in the movie and that's how um Shyamalan decides to kind of explore the way that these characters work um now in glass uh what you have is basically it said the continuation of, of kind of a story that began in split um so for those of you familiar with that you'll know that uh james mcavoy plays um a character called kevin wendell crumb who um goes by in this film a nickname of the horde um because he has multiple different personalities living um within him um, and you realize that, you know, at, at the end of Split, if you've seen Split, um, that one of the, the forms he takes on is um, almost this superhuman creature called the Beast. Um, well, the Beast is, you know, a, a violent and, and very dangerous uh, personality. Um, and the Beast's presence kind of draws out uh, Bruce Willis's character, David Dunn, um, who said if you're familiar with unbreakable you know towards the end of unbreakable that he um t adopts this persona of um a, a superhero of a guardian after discovering that um he has this incredible dur durability and extrasensory perception and, and so on um so this draws him out and draws him into a confrontation with the beast um and the the two of them as a result of their confrontation are arrested um, and then put into a mental facility under the care of a doctor who's played by Sarah Paulson. Um, that's Sarah Paulson. She's from uh, American Crime Story, the, the OJ one. 
Um, she's also from American Horror Story as well. You, you, you've seen her face plenty of times. She was in Ocean's 8 recently. Um, and so she comes under their care and, and uh, you know, her belief is that these two individuals are, are, are not supernatural or superhuman in any way that um, basically everything can be explained by um, psychological behavior and by um, kind of trends and things that, that have happened within their lives um, and have shaped the people that they've become. So she kind of comes at it from the angle and when they're brought to this mental hospital they're brought in um with the character mr glass who again if you've seen unbreakable you'll know who mr glass is um that's uh, the character played by samuel jackson and he fancies himself somewhat as a modern day uh, supervillain or a real life supervillain um and what kind of follows in, in glass is as I said mostly a very really interesting examination of kind of um you know the the, the understanding of, of the human mind and how that shapes character um and also kind of the, the parallels between the way that kind of manifests itself in comic books and 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 the purpose of comic books um and if you're a comic book fan then you'll enjoy that kind of element of it because it it really does, you know, drive home a lot of the things we've been saying for many, many years about comic books and about um, the the purposes that they serve and um, how they kind of reflect the world, you know, as, as we see it and, and, you know, how they reflect the, the things, the preoccupations and, you know, the concerns that we have um, in this day. So, you know, the, the, the movie Glass really does a good job of, of displaying that and explaining that to the audience as well. And I enjoyed those the, those elements of it a lot. Um, the four main kind of central performances are all really good. Um, Sarah Paulson's uh, just fantastic in everything. I don't think I've ever seen her be bad in anything that I've seen her in. She's always like she always brings her A game um, and she's great here. Um Samuel Jackson as Mr. Glass is fantastic, um, as always. You know, Samuel, again, another one who never really kind of drops the ball in terms of performances, um, even if the movie choices he makes aren't always great. Um, James McAvoy, again, is phenomenal. I mean, I, I don't understand how on earth he manages to play all of these different personalities and different characters in, in a movie and, and do it so seamlessly. I have no idea how he does it, but the man's a genius. So yeah, I take my hat off to him every day of the week. Um, he really, really kind of sells you on um, the fact that all of these personalities are, are very distinctly individual and very distinctly different, um, even though it's clearly obviously James McAvoy on the outside that, that we're looking at. Um, you know, and Bruce Willis does his Bruce Willis thing. He does his brooding hero thing and he does it quite well. Um, so, you know, he's, he's fine there as well. Um, I guess the, the, the one kind of complaint that I would have is more, um, based around the end of the movie and where the kind of the plot goes. Um, and I, I won't go into that because I, I don't want to do any spoilers here. This isn't a spoilers discussion and that's not fair to you if you intend to go and see the movie and you haven't seen it yet. Um, so, yeah, I will just say that, you know, for me, the, the ending slightly didn't work out really. Um, not quite. It didn't quite carry the, the weight that I hoped for. 
Um, and as this is an M. Night Shyamalan movie, you know there's going to be a plot twist, and there is a plot twist. But again, I don't know why, but the plot twist just didn't really resonate with me in, in this one. Um, it felt a little bit too convenient for me, and a bit kind of... There wasn't... I, I suppose the problem that I have with the plot twist is that there wasn't... Um, enough seeding for the plot twist that, that he was going for in order for it to be believable when it happened um you know if you think of every any film that you like that that has like a major plot twist in it at some point um you know the skill of of that is the fact that the filmmaker has kind of seeded the ideas um in your head before the plot twist comes so that when it comes even though it completely pulls the rug out from underneath you, it's still believable because of what they've done with the story up until that point. Whereas um, with Glass, I, I don't know if I quite felt that. I mean, maybe I missed something and I could be wrong. And, um, you know, maybe he, he'd done that all along, but I just didn't feel that when I saw the movie. So, yeah, that was kind of the, the letdown for me really on, on that but otherwise as I said I, I had a lot of fun and I think you know you guys will have a lot of fun with the movie too as I said especially if you're a fan of M. Night Shyamalan or if you're a fan of Unbreakable or, or Split yeah you know you, you should enjoy it um I'm not quite sure why the critics weren't so up on it because I, I think there was a lot more right with this movie than there was wrong um in my opinion but um hey it is what it is but yeah, definitely go and check out Glass if, if you haven't done so. It's still available in UK cinemas, um, and I'm sure it's still playing in America as well. So if you're an American listener, you can probably set that down pretty soon. Now, one of the other movies I did get to see as well um, was Bumblebee. And if you guys know me and you've been listening to the show, you know, you know, out of the two of us, me and Rich, I'm a big, I'm the big Transformers fan. Um and when I say Transformers fan, I mean Transformers G1. I'm not talking about the disgraceful Michael Bay movies. Um, the Transformers movies and, and the whole kind of Transformers franchise are, are just... Oh, they they sicken me to my stomach, really. Um, they've just got progressively worse and more aggressive and more offensive with each entry and, and it, they've just moved completely they, or they had moved completely away from kind of the the values which the you know the original generation one transformers uh cartoon series and the uh, and the transformers comic books um you know the values that that they held dear in terms of the way they told their stories in terms of the way they presented characters um you know, Michael Bay, for whatever reason, decided he didn't want to do barely any of, of the things that they did. And um, it paid off in, in a sense that, you know, the story progressively became a mess. The characters became more and more obnoxious um, and it just wasn't a pleasant viewing experience. I mean, Transformers The Last Night, I didn't think I could see anything worse than the previous Transformers movie in that in that like franchise. But then Transformers the last night just came along and was like, nope, nope, hold my beer. We can do better than that. Um, but anyway, that left a horrible taste in my mouth. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about a movie that hasn't left a horrible taste in my mouth. Quite the opposite. It's left a sweet and honey taste in my mouth. And that is Bumblebee. Um, Bumblebee, uh, I got to see 
at the beginning of sort of January. Um, I was quite late to get in to see it because I, I just didn't really have a lot of time over Christmas. Um, but everybody I knew who'd gone to see it was like, you know, you need to go and see this movie. And I won't lie, there was part of me that was still a little bit reticent. When the trailers came out, I thought, okay, this looks like a really encouraging step in the right direction. And I felt that kind of excitement that I haven't felt about Transformers, you know, since the, the, the movies have come out. Um, and I thought, yeah, you know, they're, they're, they're really, they're getting it here. They get it. They get the spirit. They get the essence. They get the character designs. They, they get it. But, you know, you still have that gnawing doubt at the back of your head as you think of, you know, the, the god-awful things that have come before. But I'm pleased to say Bumblebee has really, really, really gone a long way to erase all of that. It's a, such a fun movie. Um, you know, the, the I think wisely kind of choosing to, to focus more on Bumblebee and, you know, a couple of other um, Transformers is not a bad thing. Um and one of the, you know, the complaints that, that some of the people that I know had about the Michael Bay Transformers movies is, you know, there was too much focus on the humans and, and not enough on the Transformers, which for me isn't really that much of a problem because, you know, I, I get it. This is we're talking about movies here, not cartoons. There, there's a lot of things you can get away with in a cartoon that you just can't in a movie. And I think, you know, this, this is probably one of the occasions where you kind of have to say all right you know what we, there's going to have to be a payoff and and, and a, a trade-off somewhere in terms of adapting something like Transformers there's going to have to be something that we'll have to compromise on we can't just take the series as is wholesale from the cartoons and, and transport it to the movie screen that's not going to work so um you know, I, I was always aware that there was going to be more human characters. Um, the problem was, as, as said, with the original Michael Bay movies, is I thought the human characters were awful. Um, and Bumblebee couldn't be more different. Um, the, the human characters are really, really great. They're really fun. Um, you know, Hayley Stansfield is, is the lead um, in Bumblebee. You might remember her from... Um, the Coen Brothers adaptation of True Grit. She plays a little girl in that. Um, she's been in a few other things. And she apparently she's a pop star as well, um, which I was kind of surprised at because I'd never heard any of her music. But apparently she does um, sing and, and, and stuff like that as well. But um, she, I thought, was really good, really, really good. I mean, she she's been great since I said since True Grit um, uh, when she was a child. Um, you know, she was phenomenal in that. Um, and she's also, by the way, the voice of uh, Gwen Stacy from uh, Into the Spider-Verse. Um, so if you like the Gwen Stacy character from Into the Spider-Verse, that's uh, who we're talking about. We're talking about Hayley Stansfield. So um, she was really, really good in, in Bumblebee. You know, she's she carries a lot of heart and a, a lot of um, a lot of heart, a lot of humility and and she's you know she's very good at kind of portraying and, and selling herself on, on on her emotions and and selling the audience on what's going on um with her with her character at, at different points in the story which is something that i i felt 
lacked a lot from Shia LaBeouf and even more from Mark Wahlberg when when they were involved. Um, you know, I, I instantly kind of sympathized with her um, as she kind of goes through different trials and tribulations throughout the story. Um, and she does, a, as I said, just a phenomenal job, in my opinion. And she was a real, real standout. Um, another standout for me was John Cena. I was shocked at how good he was. I mean, I, I saw him saw him in uh, Trainwreck, and um, I did like what he did in Trainwreck. I was I was quite impressed with that. But I, but you know, he has a fairly smaller role in that, and he kind of just needed to you know kind of play his wrestling persona, and, and that was about it. But but sort of dial it up a little bit. But here in um, Bumblebee, he's actually really good. He he plays like a a, a character, um, a, a character who is involved with um, Sector Seven. Um, now, if you know the the previous Transformers movies, and unfortunately this movie does tie back to the previous Transformers movies, um, Sector Seven is kind of the you know this government agency that is designed to look out for aliens and and, and things like that and extraterrestrials and that's the one that um, John Turturro's agency that that he was part of in in the first Transformers movie. Um, John Cena's character is is kind of connected to um, that agency and um, he gets caught up in a Transformers attack on Earth and. Um, you know, as a result of that, he, he's got a certain resentment towards the Transformers and a mistrust of them as well. Um, and he plays it off, you know, pretty well, but he also kind of has his, his trademark humor and, and things like that. But what I liked was that, again, I kind of believed, uh, I felt there was a certain believability to his performance. Um, I, I really did. Um, but, you know, I've got all the way into this discussion and this review without even mentioning the Transformers themselves. But, um, you know, yeah, one of the key things about this movie, of course, was going to be the Transformers themselves and in particular Bumblebee. And um, I've got to give like all credit to the people involved in, in this movie in terms of bringing Bumblebee to life, because, my goodness, they've done a, a tremendous job, tremendous job. I mean, first and foremost, thank you if you're listening for bringing back Bumblebee's Volkswagen Beetle mode. He's not a fucking Camaro, okay? He's not. He's a Volkswagen Beetle. That's what makes him who he is. That's why he's such a fun character, because he's a piece of shit Volkswagen Beetle, yet he still manages to defeat Decepticons. That's supposed to be what the thing is. You don't coolize him by, by going, oh, no, it's not a cool car. Make him a Camaro. No, he's not a Camaro. um so yeah bringing back you know the volkswagen beetle was was such a brilliant brilliant decision um obviously it kind of fits in terms of the tone that this movie goes for which um is a much more friendly friendly um tone i feel than the previous movies um but i don't think you know the movie's not hurt by that in my opinion as said it there's a lot of fun to be had um you know with the tone and, and with the, the way that they've taken the story. So I don't think, um, you know, it, again, in my opinion, you, you lose nothing from, from it being a much more family-friendly movie. Um, and, you know, going with the, the character design they did with Bumblebee is, is great. They still keep the same head um, as uh, Bumblebee in the previous Transformers movies because, as said, this movie ties into to those, so it is still connected. Um but that's fine. I mean, you know, the, the, the head was never a, a major issue for me. 
um, you know, it was more how, as I said, they presented Bumblebee as a character and, and his vehicle form that, that really annoyed me. But, um, you know, in this movie, they stayed really true to, to Transformers Generation 1 character designs, um, which is just phenomenal. I mean, there's an opening kind of battle on Cybertron, which you can probably see on YouTube now. I'm sure somebody would have posted it up on YouTube. Um it, if you haven't seen it, go and check it out, especially if you're a G1 fan of, of, of Transformers, because, again, they, they've done a terrific job in, in kind of capturing those original G1 designs, but still kind of being true to a, a more realistic vision of, of what those things are. And I know that's kind of what Michael Bay was aiming for with his movies, but in my opinion, he felt spectacularly with that. Whereas with this set uh, movie, you know, they've, they've hit the nail on the head perfectly. Um, but yeah, as I said, the opening scenes in, in Cybertron are just, it was like watching the old cartoon for me. And I got that, that same buzz and that same chill, you know, when, when I watched it, um, it was wonderful, really, really wonderful. Um, the rest of the movie, you know, there, there's lots of other characters in, involved in, in the movie as well. Um, the Decepticon characters I thought were, were pretty cool. I like the designs and, uh, you know, bringing in the triple changes finally as well. Thank you again for doing that. <laughs> I mean, I, I know that they weren't specifically the, the vehicle modes that, you got from from the original g1 series but i could tolerate that because they did you know they 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 stuck to the essence of what that was they didn't try and and reinvent the wheel which is what i again what i felt michael bay was trying to do with his movies he was drifting too far from from what transformers actually is and um you know that the, they did a, a really really good job with this um the director of this movie travis knight is um the same director who did kubo and the two strings and um if you're a fan of that movie then um you know i would urge you to go and check out bumblebee because i said it's a lot of fun it's certainly not perfect um you know it's not going to win any oscars it hasn't been nominated for any and it won't because it's not that kind of a movie um but as I said, if you especially if you're a G1 fan, and especially if you were put off by Michael Bay's movies and, and the things that Michael Bay chose to do with those movies, go and check out Bumblebee, man, because it will really, really wash that nasty taste out of your mouth, because that's what it did for me. So I highly, highly recommend it. Okay, man. Well, um, yeah, those are the movies that I, I wanted to talk to you about. So um, as I said, if you, if you fancy going to check those out, make sure you do. Um, and also let me know as well what you thought of them if you've seen them already or if you're going to see them um, you know please do let us know um, I, I will have a, a short trailer at the end of this episode as we have of all our episodes uh, where we'll let you know our contact details so you can drop us a line um, and get involved in the discussion now I wanted to um, change lanes slightly for the next topic um, because this is uh, something that you know, it's, it's been kind of playing on my mind a little bit over the past couple of days. So I thought, you know what, I might as well chat to you guys on the podcast about it and see what you think. Um, but that is horror movies and more specifically, you know, horror movies or horror TV shows, um, because we're getting quite a proliferation of them, um, especially in the last. It feels like almost in the last decade, like horror is, is just started booming Um now, you know, uh, you know, we regularly have um, as our guest on the show, Jed Shepard, who is um, 
a horror movie uh, scriptwriter. He's you know he's a director and he's currently hard at work on um, one of his own features. He's also working on various different projects um, here, there, and everywhere. And and he's just a big, big horror movie fan and, and somebody with an almost encyclopedic knowledge of horror. And as said, he's been on the show. You've you've heard his voice uh, many times before. Um, and you know we always talk to him about kind of the how horror has really seemed to in the last I said the last decade or so has really kind of taken off again um one of the things you know that about horror that I really enjoy is um you know being taken away to other worlds um horror is probably the one genre I guess aside from comic book movies now um I mean comic book movies have really taken that to the next level but horror is probably one of the genres where you can almost legitimately be taken to another world um and what i mean by that is from a story point of view you can you know be taken to these fantastical places and 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 these really really crazy concepts um you know can be explored and and dealt with on film um and i'm somebody who you know i grew up with like being read bedtime stories as a kid and then when I was able to read for myself I loved like staying up until whatever time to, to read you know stories and um to myself and they would often be you know the either adventure books or horror books and they would always be set in some you know different land or, or different place um and horror as said is is kind of a, a fertile place for you to kind of you know explore d different places and one of the things that you know I, i've noticed is um there's been a real kind of upshift in and especially in the last kind of two three years a real desire to kind of push horror not just from you know north america but from different parts of the world and i'm somebody who you know it's right up my street for for that because i love like horror kind of stories and and reading about ancient kind of myths and, and legends from different parts of the world because you know some of the greatest stories we we've ever told um as a species have, have come from all over the planet you know whether that be the story of anansi from you know from ghana from kumasi um which has in turn gone on and inspired you know spider-man and, and and various different types of things or you know the, the the stories of um that ulysses told or you know all of the the classic kind of um literary kind of stories that that, that we tell are are, are this almost the same story that we've been retelling and retelling and retelling for thousands of years but just with different kinds of spins on it um and horror is really a, a genre that that can really kind of exploit that that mythology and and bring that to the fore and and I said why I kind of like that is because, you know, I'm somebody who enjoys being taken to a different place when, you know, there, there's the opportunity to do so. And I like kind of, in a way, almost learning about a culture through it as well. I mean, not that necessarily that's what horror movies exist for, but it's a good way of kind of, I find, introducing yourself to something that you don't know. Um, and if you're, you know, an inquisitive person like me, then, you know, you should want to know a little bit more about how things are the way they are and why they are the way they are and as I said that doesn't necessarily mean you should be taking you know the 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 word of of horror directors and writers as gospel in terms of how you should view the world as it is to you but certainly it's 
a vehicle for you know presenting um the world in a different light and um you know one of the things that I'm really enjoying is the proliferation of, of kind of different stories um that are coming through from from different parts of the world um you know the the tv series ghoul which I mean I know you guys are bored of hearing me talk about ghoul but I'm sorry I'm going to keep talking about it until you watch it so you may as well go and watch it but um you know ghoul for me was just phenomenal I loved it I mean not only did I find it really effective as a, a horror um as a horror story but i loved that it came from a part of the world where i haven't really heard horror stories come from before um you know it, it, it's from india and um it told me a little bit it, you know it, again ghoul is not does not exist to you know inform you about the, the politics and um, cultural history of India and nor should you use it as the basis for doing that but it can be a way to open the door for you um, and that's what I liked about Ghoul aside from you know the performers and aside from the story aside from the special effects and everything else I, I liked the the peek into a part of Indian history and culture that I may not necessarily have always been exposed to um, and I found it quite fascinating to see the different preoccupations that perhaps you know some Indian people have because of their experiences and because of their history and how that can kind of be shaped within a, a horror story um you know that I really really enjoyed um and there's another show on that um I'm currently watching on Netflix as well which is called Kingdom um this one's been quite heavily pushed by Netflix so I'm sure some of you have seen it but I've only just kind of started it and I'm up to about, I think, episode four or five on that. Um, and again, I'm really, really enjoying it. It's um, there isn't a massive amount of, of, of cultural detail, so to speak, um, in, in this series, because Kingdom is set in ancient Korea um, uh, during a, a feudal period. And it's about... Um, well, basically, without spoiling it for you, it's a zombie story set in, you know, in, in that time period and in that time frame. But what I like about it is uh, is the kind of political intrigue that, that's going on with it and, um, you know, the machinations and, and the understanding of how, um, you know, that structure would have been, that society, sorry, would have been structured and how the way that it was structured and, and because of the cultural um, preoccupations that they had at the time um, how that would have allowed you know a zombie apocalypse type scenario to occur and and how they would have dealt with that in you know their their terms and, and under the the kind of influence that influences um, that they would have come under during that period uh, that for me you know is, is the kind of stuff that I love um, and aside obviously of course I love the spills and and the chills and the violence and all of that because that's you know that's why we love horror movies but um, you know it's that element that I really really love man um, so I'm basically adding this section in because I want you guys to go and watch Kingdom but also because um, I really do want to get into more kind of horror movies and, and horror TV shows that uh, come from other parts of the world because I want to know you know more about different cultures and, and what are the kinds of things that, that other people are scared of because um, you know historically we're not all the same that we've all you know each country in each region on the planet has gone through 
different experiences and as a result of that you know the people are, the people will have different preoccupations and different things that um that scare them you know and and that's fascinating to me so um go and, and check out kingdom definitely um ghoul has said i'm sorry but i'm going to keep saying it until you go watch it go and watch ghoul um but also you know if you know of of other kind of horror movies and tv shows that you think um, we should be checking out that that are from other parts of the world than other than say north america or, or britain um you know please let me know please do like genuinely let me know because you know that that's the kind of stuff that that's the kind of horror that will that really gets me going and you know I, I and I love of course I love Halloween and all of those things and um you know Rich Kid is, is a big Halloween fan um he recently watched the remake the other day so when he's back on I'm sure he'll talk about that a bit um you know but we we also want to hear you know different stories and we want to learn about different cultures through the prism of horror so um yeah I said if you're aware of, of different ones from from different parts of the world that are worth checking out i've heard there's um a really good spanish one on netflix i i think the name escapes me at the moment i, I can't remember if it's called mother or something like that so i think i need to check that out um and yeah yeah they, i know there's another series that is coming soon which i don't think is technically a horror series i think it's more kind of like a supernatural than say straight up horror but i know there's one about um an afro-columbian witch um who apparently was like a slave or, or something like that and was burned at the stake um i know that's supposed to be out at some point this year via netflix um let me just look up the name oh siempre bruja uh, and i hope i've pronounced that correctly spanish speakers i'm sorry if i haven't like do correctly but um you know that that again sounds like it's right up my alley because it again is it's something that comes from a culture that i wouldn't necessarily be exposed to every day and it gives me an opportunity to learn a little bit about what it is that people from you know colombia and and that kind of area would would have been afraid of so i'm really looking forward to that you know that's going to be super super cool um and rounding off the the kind of general horror chat i'm just gonna say that the um the latest trailer for us and the poster woo oh boy <laughs> that has got me hot i can't wait for that shit give me that shit mainline that shit into my bloodstream <laughs> i'm ready i'm so ready um us is um yeah it just looks so good man so so good um jordan peele was is kind of blew me away after get out so you know i'm ready i'm ready that's all i'm gonna say bring it all right well i think that'll do it for me um because i said it's a bit weird talking by yourself like this i kind of feel a little bit crazy now so i'm gonna draw a line under this before um yeah it gets even weirder but um i said thank you very much for for listening i'm, I'm glad you guys have subscribed um if you haven't subscribed then please do um you know especially if you enjoy what we're doing because this is the kind of thing that that rich and i love to do and if if you love listening to us talk then man hit hit that subscribe button hit that follow button um the podcast is available pretty much everywhere at the moment so 
um, wherever you are, wherever you're listening to this, you should be able to subscribe to the podcast through there. But, um, you know, if you don't like where you're listening to it, then it will be found elsewhere. So, you know, we're currently up on Podbean, we're on Stitcher, we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, um, you know, just about everywhere you can think of that you can get a podcast, um, you'll find it. So, yeah, please do subscribe, man, and, and, and follow us on this journey. It's going to be as fun as we can possibly make it for you. Um, aside from that, I should also let you know that the Bebop rewatch will be back very soon. We haven't um, finished with that. We kind of lost track a little bit again because just in between kind of Christmas and New Year, there's just been so much going on um, that we just haven't had time. But for those of you that enjoy um, our Cowboy Bebop uh, podcast and that will be back very very soon again as well so make sure you stay tuned for that but yes as i said that's it for me i'm gonna go i'm gonna go and rest myself and maybe try and finish off the rest of kingdom um you guys have a great evening take care of yourselves and i'll see you next week peace out Thanks for listening to us. If you're down with Wulong Talks, show some love by following us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Wulong Talks. You can also find us online at www.wulongtalks.com or drop us an email at wulongtalkspodcast at gmail.com. We can also be found as part of the Britpod Scene Collective and we're also officially E14 endorsed. Search for those hashtags to enjoy more content from us and from other great British podcasters. 